0: time soccer broadcaster joined by USYS National League Commissioner Simon Collins. We'll have more on Simon in just a moment, but I want to set the table with where we are and some important information about the growth of USYS. First of all, we're coming to you from Central Florida and the Signia by Hilton Orlando Bonnet Creek. The hotel is buzzing with activity as U.S. Youth Soccer is front and center with its national championships and annual general meeting. Representatives from each of the 54 state associations are on hand for this week's activities, along with dozens of officials from throughout the American soccer scene. More than 10,000 teams played for a spot in Orlando this week with sides advancing through state cups onto one of four regionals and here to Florida for about 200 teams still fighting for a chance to raise a national championship trophy. The field includes top finishers from National League Pro. 2022 marks the 48th year of the modern USYS National Championship Series, and the first time since 2004 that the national championships are taking place at ESPN's Wide World of Sports. In the under-19 age group, boys will be competing for the McGuire Cup, a trophy with as much history as any other in the U.S., including all sports. In fact, the McGuire Cup was first awarded in 1935, fewer than two years after the NFL crowned its first champion in the other football. For those of you scoring at home, George Halas' Chicago Bears defeated the New York football giants at Wrigley Field. Anyway, as much as we'd love to talk USYS and soccer history, as we mentioned already, we do have a special guest. He's here to talk about something new, Elite 64, a club-based offering that is now part of the USYS National League. So once again, we say hello to Simon Collins.
1: Oh, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here, Dean. And uh, you're right. There's a buzz and excitement about the place with the national championship going on. We have all our 54 state representatives behind us in in the rooms that, that's meeting now, and they are trying to put the soccer world to right to uh, to try and elevate as many kids' games as possible. And as long as we focus on the kids, we'll not be far away. Well, we've got a lot
0: of ground to cover, but you and I talked before on a different podcast about what your decision to come over across the pond. Can you share that with us now?
1: Yeah, I had... Um, I'd been involved in, in professional sport since leaving school at 16-year-old, at um, played professionally every league other than the Premier League, um, managed to manage professionally as well, and uh, I'd basically had enough Dean, um, I, I was exhausted and looked for something different. So. We uh, we moved across to the, to the U.S. as a family to try and get away from soccer and, and try and relax a little bit, um, and I made a mistake of ticking a volunteer box <laughs> at a local soccer club. So that's how I ended up. And uh, they roped the, you in. And I got a hook, line, and sinker, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. we're glad to have you for sure. And before we talk Elite 64, as I mentioned, you're the commissioner of the National League. Can you get us up to speed on all things National League?
1: Yeah, we um, – we've in fact the guys have been in town today that my team's been around we've been formulating the brackets for national league national league pro registrations ongoing right now we have 13 nationally aligned conferences uh, across the country which the top teams feed into national league pro and uh, we're excited for the coming year it's resonated a great deal with a lot of people um, the, the the purity is it's honest the kids earn their place there's no political gain or friends of family needed to get into the conference or, or National League Pro. It's based on what a, what a player does on a field. So we have a, a great hashtag, which is earn your place. And I think that's that's a quite a powerful statement.
0: No, it is indeed. And if memory serves me correctly, I believe that the first news of Elite 64 took place at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Simon, as you know, I'm everywhere, but it was like two degrees there. It was freezing, but it was a big news and kind of warmed up everybody as well. And I know since then you've been working with Ryan Loy and the entire team and Skip Gilbert. Can you get us caught up to speed on how everything's going?
1: Yeah, it's going great. You're right. It was freezing in Kansas. (laughs) Uh, Being a guy from Florida, I have zero antifreeze, so (laughs) uh, that were a challenge. Um, As it stands right now we have 62 boys teams 55 girls teams in elite 64 Um, the number 64 is not a an aspiration to get to it's there as a ceiling to not go beyond Um, because in our minds the thought process is there's too many leagues out there that focus on the growth Um, and if something's going to be tangible and real then we need to be bold enough and brave enough to cap that number and then try and funnel the, the very elite into this particular aspect. We're looking at potentially around 18,000 players participating in Elite 64 in the coming year, which if you look at the number that you just read out about USYS, the, the, the two point, whatever million it is, that's a small, small number. Um, so we, we're really trying to make it legitimate and real and and focus on the game itself and what we can do for the players.
0: And part of making it legitimate is the opportunity to forge relationship with cutting edge corporations and organizations. Why is that so important, Simon? It,
1: it is, and I mean, we've just I've just been in one of the meetings there with one of the the, the regional groups, and and they rightfully so say, well, what's different? It, it's not difficult, Dean, to to launch a league, to create a league, and we see them pop up constantly. But what we have to do is. What's different about our league? What are we offering to the player? What's going to change people's lives potentially? And how do we do that? And we all know we're in that society right now is driven by data. Um, Everybody walks around. We see people walking by and they've all got the telephones in their hand and um, professional sport at the sharp end is using data to track players' performances to aid them with periodization and what we've been able to do through through some of the contacts uh, that we have is is bring on some real industry leaders. Um, I'll give you a couple, for instance. We have uh, ProScore that does our game analytics. So we provide them with game footage. They break it down. Um, now These guys work with Brighton, Crystal Palace and other big Premier League clubs. So they're not messing in small fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have Statsports, which obviously they do the women's, men's, a women's national team, uh, the England national team, Man United, Juventus, PSG, uh, and, and their list of partners is is as good as it gets. Well, that's just naming two. We're bringing that to the players, to the youth kits, uh, and we're super excited about that because, and uh, I mean, you, you've heard me mention this statement many times. We got to make every game a recruitable moment. Uh, try and focus on what they do week in, week out, and remove the the bit of fear that's around taking a young athlete to a showcase and potentially not performing and missing their opportunity. Build that resume, make it tangible, and and give them more chances.
0: So we're here in Florida at the USYS National Championships, but the word is that Elite 64 is starting in just
1: a couple weeks, right? It it is. um, For some groups, um, mid-August, they'll be They'll be off and running. They'll be playing. Um, we've got emails that's gone out now. The clubs are starting to request which events they want to attend. Players are all registering in the platform, and uh, and the games will start very soon. So, um, what do they say? It's uh, let the talking stop and the action begin. Well, I can't
0: wait for Elite 64 to get going. It also reminds me in a few more months, the World Cup will be going on. And of course, it'll be England and <laughs> USA. And as you're walking around and even some of the people from those cutting age companies, they are also English like you. So let's have a little fun. As you know, my background is with the U.S. World Cup team and following it. Of course, you know where my allegiance is. But uh, it, it's certainly exciting for England to play USA. What are your thoughts on that? And then, of course, I'll put a little pressure on you. What's your prediction for that?
1: What a great draw. It's right what people say, FIFA is rigged. They, they, <laughs> they knew me and you were going to have this conversation. You were going to have you were going to ask that question. Um, I mean, it's great. There's, there's an awful lot of um, English people in the United States that's working in the soccer industry right now, uh, and I imagine they're all having that same conversation and ribbing each other, but the fact that the Americans are on the world stage is where they should be. The next question is, How does America elevate itself to stand a chance of winning one of these things? So I'll I'll challenge you. When does that happen?
0: That's a good question. I will say, I'll challenge you back by saying when I was the press officer in 94, England was not in that World Cup. (laughs) (laughs) I won't name the others.
1: I'll I'll leave it there. You can have that one.
0: Yeah, hopefully, though, we are taking the right steps to make the USA formidable in the World Cup. Uh, On a serious note, are you feeling
1: that? Uh, There's a lot of work to do. I, I think so. I mean, it's... If, if the U.S. national team, both men's and women's, are not at the very sharp end of, of world soccer, then we're doing something wrong. Um, there's a lot of well-educated people in U.S. soccer in the education department that's trying to pass their, their knowledge on to others. Um, but all that said, we've got to provide pathways for kids to access high-level soccer Um the very best need to be competing against the very best on a regular basis. And we're seeing more and more um, young players travel overseas and, and gain that experience at a lot younger ages. So they're going to they're be a force to reckon with soon. We're going to get back to Elite 64,
0: but one, you dodged my question on the score of England, US in the first round of the World Cup. Can you give me a score? Two (laughs) nil. Okay, so the US, they get two goals early or just hang Uh, on? Yeah,
1: I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, all right, you're going the other way.
0: (laughs) You know, interestingly though, 2026, the World Cup returns to the US. And I do want to remind you that will be 50 years since England won their. Only World Cup. So it's not like you've got buckets of World Cups over there
1: as well, but 50 years, my man. Hey, uh, uh, <laughs> we may not win the World Cup, but we always have a lot of fun leading up to it. And, uh, I don't know if you notice, we always bring a song out that it's coming home. Um, and we do it every time and we never bring it home or we haven't brought it home in a long time. But I think um, Gareth Southgate and his, and his team are, are starting to pull some super talented players together. They're getting in the England team a, a little younger than normal. Um, and they look exciting. He's got a lot of strength in depth, so... It won't be long. Well, good. And obviously
0: we have to have a little fun with that as well and certainly looking forward to the World Cup. And I think the best situation would be if the U.S. and England advance out of that group some way, somehow. But let's get serious. As we talk about Elite 64, you think about youth soccer, not just now, but for a long time, there's been fragmentation. You're hearing that word frag- fragmentation as you're getting ready to launch Elite 64, and you're
1: taking on that question head on. Yeah, it's very fragmented. Um and I think when we have conversations, we have to have them under two different titles. One, is what we're doing good for the game? And two, is it a viable business? Unfortunately, I think sometimes we allow the business side of it to dictate the decisions that get made on the soccer field, which as you, as you know, in, in every wake of life, if if the mission of a company gets overseen by what the, the numbers are trying to do, it's quickly goes off rails um, and and I'm a, I'm a soccer person, um, what you see is what you get and I want to put the kids first and elevate their games as much as possible. So while I'm trying to keep everything focused on the game, how it's played, who plays it, what we provide for them and the business side will take care of itself. Um, but the fragmentation of the soccer landscape, I, I talk to lots of college coaches and lots of club coaches and, and whichever event they go to around the country. The the, the the ones that tend to be at the sharp end of the game are, are top performers but there's also a mid-level and a lower level and there's a great disparity between all so how do we bring all the top level kids together, now let me rephrase that differently how do we provide the right game day environment for everybody regardless of level uh, and I think that's where we've got to do a lot better job and maybe US soccer can, can step in with this one and, and try and bring every bring soccer together as a huge family, as with some huge unity, and say, look, if we want got aspirations of winning a World Cup, then we've got to stop pulling people apart and vying for um, a piece of the pecking order, if you will. Um, and it's, there's some big conversations that's needed right now.
0: More directly, Simon, how do you answer the questions or the critics that say, in fact, Elite64 is adding to that fragmentation?
1: It, it potentially is um, like I said earlier it's not hard to put a league together uh, and, and get teams in it. most of the teams if you, if you create a, a buzz around it, they want to be involved the difference is what's tangible about that league what, are you, what extra are you adding to it the, the pro score, the stats sports, the soccer profile the NCSA bits and pieces it's different to other leagues they don't have access to some of these bits and pieces. These are free for the kids that play in that league. They're they're provided this information. The NCSA provides every player with uh, uh, an individual profile which pulls together their athletic and academic activities. Then we put the game highlights into there. Um, Then you put your stat sports information in there. Now all of a sudden these kids become even more recruitable because the NCSA is so clever that it can match their profile with a particular school. So it's eliminating some of that fear that's in the sport right now. And maybe we can get away from this showcase model that I'm gonna get recruited and, and resurrect what we do as a team. Um, because we can't get anywhere without the other 10 people that surround us on a field. And uh, maybe the State Cup Regionals National event starts to get a bit more recognition as opposed to this individualism of state cup, and I want to get recruited by college.
0: Great to be with Simon Collins, the National League Commissioner for USYS, as we're here in Orlando, Disney, for the USYS National Championships. I appreciate you taking that question head on. Similar question where the light is above your head. How will it coexist with other rec programs already in existence
1: with US youth soccer? Um, it, uh, the intention is that it'll complement all over time. Um, maybe, maybe certain level of player doesn't need the stat sports because they've not got aspirations to go on to do what to do whatever that may be. But the flip side of that is, like a, a soccer profile, for example, which is every player's individual development plan. There's elements of that that that, that can be used at every level. Um, We've also talking with, uh, with groups about mental health training, I mean nowadays we hear horror stories about what's going on mm. and, the, and the stresses that we put on players Indeed. and how do we help that and that's where again designing a league is easy but bolting partners to it that's going to really elevate a kid's game both on the field, off the field, mentally, socially, academically. That's the differentiator between elite 64 and then making sure that every 54 state association has access to that to pass that right the way through the masses.
0: Thanks for taking those Elite 64 questions head on. We mentioned that you're commissioner of the National League, and Simon, the National League has had more than its share of success stories. They include National League Pro, Team Success, in the National Championships, and many more former players have gone on to play collegiately, professionally, and even on the world stage, which, of course, makes all of us so proud. How far has the league come, and perhaps more importantly, where's it going? I think it's
1: um, – it- Obviously, COVID hit, and everybody had fun and games with that one. Um, so, in and, and US youth, as it's just a bit before my time, tried to to somewhat change it into a bit of a showcase model. And and all hands up, it didn't work. Uh, it needed to go back to what it was like before, as a regional entity and connecting teams from from outside of state associations and, and bringing them together on a regional component. What we found is, it, it's it's. Creating the safe, not safe. Creating the right game day environment, um, and the 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 13 nationally aligned conferences do that. The competition level looks great across the country. It's got elevated opportunities for teams that's in it, and we're seeing in every area there's there's growth that we're getting reached out. The registration numbers are are up and high. Teams have aspirations to be involved, and they. There's an appetite. If there wasn't an appetite for it, we wouldn't do it. But there's definitely an appetite for uh, for regional play, national play. Um, we just got to make sure that we can we're conscious of cost to mom and dad. Going back to your story of coming across the pond,
0: thinking about just family and soccer brought you back in. As you are starting Elite 64, people are used to one way or the other, right? And I know you're dealing with it right here in Florida you got to have thick skin and you've got to be able to answer questions, kind of like what you're doing here now. How tough is that part of the job, particularly dealing with people that have been in their state associations for a long, long time? We,
1: we have a tremendous amount of knowledge that's in this building right now. But what we also have to do is not just challenge ourselves, but challenge everybody else and like with, like with most things, soccer doesn't stand still. So we've got to take people out of their comfort zone and say, hey, are we doing things right? Can we do things better? Is what's happening there going to work somewhere else? And, um, and actually, I, I use this an awful lot and I picked it up from U.S. Soccer doing the, um, doing the various licenses. It's a, a looking back to look forward uh, mentality. What did we do in the, back, in the, in the time that's passed? that we could reflect upon to do again going forward. But importantly, being big enough, bold enough, and ugly enough to say, hey, we got that wrong. We shouldn't have done that. And then sharing what got wrong, being open about it, hey, hands up, mm-hmm. that was not a good decision. And sharing that with the masses so that collectively we don't make the mistakes again. So being, thick, being, in, <laughs> being in professional sport for a long time um, does make you thick-skinned. You're always at some point or another. It's down to somebody's opinion, and so on and so forth. And I'll give you a quick story. Um, I was playing for Huddersfield Town, um, and we had—I can't remember the team we played against. It's a home game, and my mum and dad are sitting in the in the stadium, and the guy at the side of my mum and dad is screaming at me, "You crap! You rubbish!" <laughs> and giving me all sorts of abuse. And my mum, <clears throat> my mum turned round to my dad and said, "Hey." You're going to allow him to say that? <laughs> and my dad turned around and says, Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's the, it's like it, it happens. And you, you take it on the chin, you, you listen to people, you reflect on what you've done. And then if your mission is to, to make change and, and try and make a difference to the sport and it's honest, plow on. Right. Get going. Right. And part of that plowing, I always
0: feel like being repetitive is being informative. So, I'm going to give you one more chance to talk about what you mean by recruitable moments because you like to say it. Why do you like to say
1: it so much? Well, I mean, I want to provide players. And I said we, me personally, I want to, but I know collectively, USU Soccer and the state associations want to also provide players with opportunities to reach their potential. But we also know that there's a lot of fear that drives the sport fear of being on the right team, right level, right access to the right event. And if they manage to get, if they tick all of them three boxes, the one thing that they don't have any control over is what happens in a game. And the player could have spent thousands of dollars, traveled across the country, plays the first game, and the college that wants to see them, or scout that wants to see them, is sitting right there. The player looks at them, they become like jello. The first touch they have is terrible, the second touch is not much better, the third touch it's not even their fault and the coach drives a line straight through it and moves on to the next player. Well, potentially that kid's just lost his opportunity which could have taken place in three minutes. So how do we change that? How do we make every single league game in state a recruitable moment? So when they come to these events they're a little bit more relaxed. They realize that they've built themselves A a resume of information that's got highlights, stats, data, and everything that's in there. So the college can or scout can see this and they know that, hey, that touch there is out of character. Let me give him another look. Let me see. I'll give her another look. Let me give them a bit more time and attention. And so what I mean by recruitable moment is making sure that we don't just focus on a showcase and that one game and that number of colleges that's standing on the sideline. We can take the information from local league games, national league games, and we can package it in a way that that can be disseminated across every scout in the country. Now, all of a sudden, we've changed the way we view soccer in the U.S. We've relaxed some of the play that's going on. We may see a change in in sideline behavior, potentially, I don't know. But all of a sudden, the the kids are taking ownership of their own development, and it's... uh, it's power. If we can get it right, it'll be powerful. It will change how we view soccer in the U.S. Dean Linky with Simon Collins. A couple more questions on
0: this exclusive U.S.Y.S podcast, as you mentioned, you kind of made fun of yourself, but I know you were a great player. You know that it takes great players around you. And one of the things that I've heard you mention, and I want you to give it more depth on this podcast, is the incredible team you have around you at USYS right here with us. You know, Connor and and Ryan and the entire crew and Chris Webb and Skip Gilbert stopped by as well. Just talk about how that family's coming together as you try to do big things for US Youth Soccer.
1: I'm giggling because I'm looking at two of them, right? Mm -hmm. Buyers now i mean we we can't do anything uh, on our own um there's an awful lot of people that put these events together as we sit here now these, these microphones don't turn up here on their own um from the event side from an operation chris and her team i mean i'll sit down with chris and say hey chris i want to do this and uh, i want an event here 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 and here and she'll be like what has he done now? <laughs> uh, and then she'll go out with the team, and we'll make it. Happen. We'll find a we'll find a venue big enough. We'll find all the partners that's in there, and we'll ship unbelievable amounts of signees So when the players turn up, it looks amazing and it feels special. The marketing team keep getting the message out, and it's not necessarily our message. It's the message from the teams, the players, and amplifying what they are, so they feel special. And then, I mean. I can't speak highly enough, of, and this might sound like a creep here now. I mean, Skip's been great since I've come in. He's, he's been super supportive. He puts the game first. He wants to make a difference. Um, and I think that should, that's all our motivation is, once we've finished doing what we do, have we left a legacy? Have we left something behind that people can be proud of? Have we made a difference? Did we challenge people enough to say, do you know what, they really took us out of our comfort zone, but we made it work, we made it happen? Uh, and USYS has a, an, an unbelievable team, an unbelievable staff, and and it has its moments behind closed doors, but um, but it pulls in the same direction when it needs to. Well, and part of that is their messaging, and the National League's
0: hashtag and slogan for the past decade has been, quote, earn your place. What
1: does that mean to you, and how will it continue moving forward? I, it's the, I think it's one of the best that we've got. I really do, and I mean that passionately. Um, I know me personally, nobody said, here, you can have that. You, you graft. You graft when every day, and I know in, in, in every forms of life right now, it, it's expensive. So people have to graft. They have to earn what they're working for. So we have to keep what we do honest and make it real. And focusing solely on soccer right now, the kids get on the field. They cross that white line. They go and play. It's all them. We can take them to any white line that we want in the, in the country, in the world. When they step on that white line, it's what they do. And that's why it's so powerful, because the kids determine their own futures by their own performance. And that's why it's the most honest strap line, hashtag, whatever you want to call it, that's out there right now, all by the kids.
0: If you could look into that camera right now and talk about your vision for Elite 64 and where you see it, maybe not in a month but maybe down the road you know five ten years do you have an idea of what you think it'll be
1: yeah i mean complete blue sky thinking i would say it's the only platform the most desired platform that's out there for for the american youth players right now um we're a long way from getting it to that point but we're certainly striving to be there um I, i will share this i do think there's a pathway for the ones that aspire to be professionals and we hear a lot of things about the MLS, the MLS next and so on and so forth I, I went down that path and I think we should where possible support the player that wants to go down that path I think it's okay, it's fine to do so and I think sometimes we, we seem to be a little bit too wrap our hands around and keep things in here um, like with in relationships and family at home if you love something, let it go It'll keep coming back, and I think that's where we are in, in the soccer community right now. We love what we do, we're passionate about it, and if that kid wants to go on and try something, let's push them, let's take them, let's see where we can, we can elevate the game as much as possible. Kids, leagues, state associations, USYS, let's keep pushing forward. Appreciate those answers,
0: Simon. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Elite 64. We've talked about the National League quite a bit as well. What about National League Pro, particularly what the P, R, and O
1: really mean to you? Player recruitment opportunity. Um, we sat down, deliberated over what do we do. Well I mentioned earlier about the, the reimagination of, of National League, the events, and so on and so forth. National League Pro is fairly, fairly new. I think this year is its first year, it's run a full cycle, it's going into its second year now. Um, but again, focusing on the needs of a player. Player is the first letter that comes out. They want a recruitable moment and they want an opportunity to perform. So the acronym PRO sits perfectly with what we're trying to do. Um, we've It's a team-based model as well. So whereas elite 64 is a club-based model national league pros focus on the team so regardless of size of your club there's an opportunities for you again i use the hashtag line earn your place for, through the through the state leagues through state league into the, one of the conferences finish the conference get auto qualification into national league pro and then to, to to finish the connectivity if you do actually win national league pro you have direct access to the NCS series, so that's where USYS brings a lot of its programming together and gives people different pathways and access in. But again, pro is a player recruitment opportunity, and again, every game's a recruitable moment.
0: Simon Collins, the National League Commissioner, and one of the key men behind the launch of Elite 64. Thank you so much for joining us here in Orlando as part of this exclusive USYS podcast. It's been a pleasure, Simon.
1: As always, Dean. Thank you
0: very much. All right. Well done. Once again, thank you, Simon, and everyone at U.S. Youth Soccer who made this podcast possible. Most of all, thanks for tuning in.